welcome in listeners to a very exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. Um, I have been looking forward to this interview since I was reached out about it. We have the amazing playwright Diane Davis with us today. Uh, her latest work, Complicity, is coming to the New Ohio Theater this fall. And it's such a timely and important piece of uh, theater. Uh, just getting to read the description about it, I, I went out and I was like, I've got to see the show. I've got to see the show. It is on my radar of those great fall works we've been talking about that are coming. So, Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor because the 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 work, Complicity, it it is just it's it's one of those shows that it's so important right now you know i feel like the subject matter it's kind of gotten lost a little you know maybe it's faded in the background a little bit but it's so relevant still you know you still hear about these things happening it's like oh yeah no this hasn't gone away we have to keep we have to continue to lean into it the problem hasn't gone away so why don't you tell us a little bit about what the show complicity is about Okay. It, it starts with uh, Tig Kennedy, who in 2006, she's an 18-year-old actress, and she is set up at Harvey Wickstone's <laughs> hotel to the second floor. She's just been cast in a movie, and it's supposed to be this, you know, sort of little junket to you know, get to know the producer kind of thing. And the other lead actress is with her and she's the honeypot. And um, and then she goes up to the second floor and boom, it happens. And, and then the play transitions to 12 years later. So we don't go through, you know, and in the process of those 12 years, people have to, re, you know, heal from that trauma how did they come back? How did they build back their life? This is not a story about that. This is about a story of a woman who's already gotten to the other side. And then what is she going to do about it? About the problem that persists. Um, and that is what is the traditions of the status of Hollywood? And, you know, if she's going to be an actress, how do you work against the system um, that expects you to suit up and show up? and shut up, so to speak. Um, so Tig makes a choice to leave a movie and um, and it goes from there. I don't want to give away the whole play because there is a climax. <laughs> um, but she encounters her sister, who's her agent, encouraging her to just do, you know, suck it up, do the right thing, do the movie. Um, and then Lilia, the honeypot, who now is head of, you know, Wicks, the ex-Wickstone, now new Star Max Productions, because it transitions after the arrest um, to something else, but still stays in the system. And how these three women interact and make each other accountable to what their role is in keeping a secret that everyone seemed to know hidden. Um, and so as they explore these different changes, they're exploring their own level of complicity in perpetuating the system. And, uh, oh. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it, 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 for me, it was sort of rooted in the idea. Well, first of all, you know, I kind of see it as a classical piece as well. 
you know, in that regard is that these are women challenging the state and the status of tradition in Hollywood, so to speak. And finally, yes, smash the patriarchy and all that jazz. I mean, what yeah. <laughs> it's all that is so important. And, and those situations that that these characters are faced with, you know, um, I, I like the description of uh, in the release that was said um, the the further um, the further each woman goes to disrupting the status quo the more they must confront their own complicity. I loved that line. Cause I was like, Ooh, Oh my, like, we're all not saints. Like we all have these things that we have to deal with. And we have to realize there's a reason why this problem has existed for so long and continues to exist. Yeah. You know, and that was the big surprise. You know, I've been working on the play for four years and uh, kind of started in 2000. Yeah, I guess it's four years um, after, you know, the Weinstein had been arrested and then Joe Messick and her, um, depart, you know, death. And then um, the idea of transitioning Miramax into, uh, you know, a new ownership, like all these things were happening. And um, and then a year later, women coming out, well, let's leave Harvey alone, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> Um, piece of publicity um, and this dialogue of you know um, men being men and women being women and and so I did a development workshop with HB Studios in 2019 and you know when you do a development workshop people have to go people you know it's 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 just a you know we were doing staged readings um, to really work on the script and one of the women had just come back, you know, she had come back from a trip in Hollywood and she was telling her friend about it. And she goes, oh, just last week, I had this director do this thing that means it's still happening. Oh. And, um, and I don't know how much remorse they do have in the, getting caught you know, and the whole idea of when is when do we forgive these these transgressions and things like that. So all those dialogues just make me realize that we really need to keep this dialogue going about what is right. And I'm hoping the play brings that dialogue um, and to the forefront, and therefore hopefully more women coming together in unity rather than our different factions. Yes, absolutely. Now, how did you come up with the idea of this show? I mean, obviously you're inspired by true events, I take it, but what? how did you come up with penning the idea of the show? Well, um, you know, I'm an, and I had acted a long time ago, so I was an Antigone fan. And when I kept thinking about uh, the idea that this was an open secret for decades that everyone knew, which means the traditions of the state of Hollywood were long entrenched and like people just accepted it. Like, you know, this is, uh, there, I think there's even a line in the play, you know, I was paying my dues, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And women are, you know, talked about the paying of the dues and what does that mean for women? And, um, and so I started to think I wanted to write something about it and where is there, and I wanted to write about the empowerment of women in this, but not from a traumatic standpoint, like 
out of trauma comes the phoenix of healing. But as I am already the phoenix, now what do I do? And where do I go? And and how, how do we change the system? Or how do we even have conversations about the system? And so I went back into my classical roots and I went back to Antigone, who challenges the king, who challenges the system. And what does that mean? And what does then the family mean in that? And how do different views of success you know, like with the sisters, um, you know, how do those conflicting views, how do you negotiate those? How do you walk through them? And then the outside forces, which is not just the men who are make, are the abusers, but the women who help perpetuate those abusers because they want to play the game, you know, because they bought into the system. So I use that as a foundation and then it was a long line of getting rid of that in order to bring it into contemporary terms. Um, hopefully I've been successful. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm already just going to say yes, because I, I am hooked. I love that, that classic callback that you've got in there. I'm going to now, now I'm going to kind of look for it a little bit more. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I love, I love the like, the story on one level and then there's like a story underneath. I love that. I yeah. love the play has that depth. Um, now with, you know, with the Me Too movement being so strong, so recent and everything else going on, what was it like developing the show? Um, well, I really had a lot of nice opportunities to work with a variety of women and that really helped me get I wanted to hear their response to it, how they made it visceral. And so, um, you know, I started Eden Theater Company, which has been sort of the, well, this, the, the producing company. Um, and I started it with my daughter, um, who is an actress, Cassandra Paris. And, uh, and she and I, she really helped me as a reader to look at this young 20-something voice and what that means in terms of her starting in this field. And then I was just able to bring more women in. Um, and so there were tons and tons of readings <laughs> with a variety of different actresses to get the way that they responded to it. And I felt that was really important to get as many women voices as possible. And then I would bring it to my workshops and I would get the male perspective of the play, which is usually very different. They would pick and choose certain things to say, well, no, men don't really do that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there would be a little more aggressive dialogue about sort of, well, what do men do and how do men see themselves in this this scenario. And um, so there was a lot of that for the first couple of years. And then when I got the HB studio residency, we were able then to put the first draft on its feet and to see what it looked like. And, um, and that helped tremendously um, because it gave, you know, you have voices, but then you see it physically being worked through and understanding transitions and things like that and the kind of journey you want to bring into the theater because i'm also creating a theatrical production with the script um and then COVID hit 
And so, yeah, you know how that goes. <laughs> um, so, but with COVID, the, I, I laid it a little bit and I produced uh, the room series with Eden Theater Company, which was, you know, uh, plays with um, short plays, um, one acts with three playwrights in each room. <laughs> and um, when we did four rooms, the bedroom, the living room, the bathroom and the kitchen. And, um, and so I did that for the year in first year in COVID because I, my writing, I, I didn't know how I was feeling, so to speak. So when in doubt, just, you know, sit back, reassess. And this is what we came up with as a, as a group of people, there were four of us in the room and we just said, let's put on a show. <laughs> and so we did uh, for that first year. And, um, and then I went back to it. I got a couple of uh, Zoom readings and I sent it to uh, several playwrights. What do you think? What does this need? And I did my second um, uh, draft and, uh, and then it was just a roller coaster from there. And the next year we got the new Ohio in January and we've been working on it since um, February, <laughs> um, trying to piece it all together. And it's just really two of us. It's in myself and Byron Anthony, who is the, the producing artistic director. And so, uh, and we both work for, you know, full-time jobs. And so we're sort of making this happen. And then more people came on. And as those more people came on, um, it just started to take a wonderful life of its own. Uh, and in that process of the rehearsals, we've been rewriting pieces, adding scenes, things like that. So it's, it's definitely becoming something I'm, I'm very proud of. Amazing. Yay. <laughs> well, I feel like this is probably going to be an obvious answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is what is the message that you're hoping audiences walk away with? Yeah. Um, you know, Part of one of the motivating things was that um, in 2016, there was this fabulous women's march. Yes. And I had hoped, well, are we doing this again? And are we doing it again? And is it, where is it going? And then I read how it wasn't going anywhere because too many women were fighting over how it should be um, broadcast, how it, who's in control. And in the process of that factionalism, it dissipated into a movement and created more harm um, and more factionalism for women. And I want that undone. And with the recent changes in civil rights, this takes cohesion. Our solution has to be cohesion. And I want that dialogue to come back. And I want women to examine how are you responsible for that factionalism and what damage is it doing to our daughters, to our sisters, to our mothers, like, and I want that dialogue to, to sort of unfold. And so in the last line of the play sort of asks, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, mm -hmm. what is your part in it? So I want to start that conversation is how do we come together? Um, how do we bring this? How do we not sit in silence anymore and start bringing it into the forefront? 
And, and this is what, in my opinion, as I've said, makes your work so important because that right there is, is, is we, we need to be asking those questions and we need to be addressing those things. You know, I think you just nailed, you, you just, you know, you solved eight huge issues in one and you, you really, um, you've really, um, you were the first guest to put me at a loss of words. Um, you have really put forth a question as well as a solution to a, a issue that we have to overcome if we're ever going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And 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 I really like that, and I like that you've you've used the the vehicle of art. So rather than someone, I'll say lecturing you, it's more like that subliminal, almost like a. I hate to demean it this way, but almost like a puppet show, you know. And all of a sudden, like, oh yeah, okay, I relate to that. Versus someone that like a lectern saying the same thing, and it's like it's literally the same. Yeah, no, it the art has the way of healing and also being activist without being like uh slapping you across the face you exactly exactly and, and i've been at place where i felt that like okay you're slapping me and that's not gonna make that's how do we really bring ourselves into it how do we really become inspired by theater and i think that is the quest of new theater makers right um you know uh you know i think in most of the, the 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 companies as they're transitioning into sort of new artistic directors and things like that, I think those are the kinds of things they're looking at that transitions don't happen in super radical ways, right? We can't blow everything up. We, yeah. we slowly transition and as uh, Carl Caulfield said, you know, we do it through the legislation, but we have to show up for that dialogue to get that legislation going. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that as a disunified, you know, uh, as a community, disunified community. And theater has the way of bringing people together in a dialogue. It, 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 it lends to the dialogue and gives us a starting point. Yes. So I hope more theater happens like that <laughs> oh from your lips to god's ears here's open um i want to wrap up the first part of our interview by asking you who you hope have access to the show uh, everybody <laughs> <laughs> um students uh senior citizens and anybody who uh is interested in taking the ride with us i think everybody should take the ride with us Um, I think it is a ride and I want men and women to come. I don't think that this is a women's piece. I think men need to be, you know, they need to be part of that dialogue. They need to be part of the solution. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a holistic thing. So I want, I, I hope everybody, and I, I'd like to, you know, ideally I'd like this to be accessed into schools and colleges. I don't know if it's really good for, I don't know if they would take it in you know, high schools, <laughs> but uh, certainly into, you know, colleges to to really look at how are we representing these things and, um, but not just in theater, right? Like I want, I want politicians to come. I want, uh, I want the judges to come. I want, you know, and I want the women who would not want to come because they think it's too politically one way I believe that they need to come uh, uh, more so than 
than anybody because we need to sort of bring this into what does it mean to be a woman and what does it mean to have control over our decisions as women. Um, and I think people need to hear everyone's views. Yes. I don't know, this play doesn't answer all of that, but that's what I would like. <laughs>
it's, you know, a piece that is difficult to watch, but became necessary for me to be in that room. So I'm inspired by everything I see. I really am. Um, because the idea of mounting a show is so difficult. It's expensive. It's you, people pour out their hearts and energies, and um, and there's not there's not a lot of monetary return per se. <laughs> there's this artistic capital that gets built inside of us, and so I really celebrate everybody's pieces, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, so I don't. <laughs> it sounds like a bit idealistic, but. I try and be open-minded. No, I love that. I want to build on that though by asking, have you seen any great theater lately that you uh, would suggest to our listeners? Yeah, I think the one that Tafana is doing, the Lessons of Jean, uh, um, what is it, uh, Jan Karski, uh, uh, that to me is a very is a such a great production um, visually. That's the one at the um, the at Tifana. Yeah. Yes. I, I yes. For a new audience. And, yes. Uh, I'm excited to see that. Oh yeah. my gosh. And so then cool. the stuff coming out. I mean, yeah, the Broadway stuff is all like great and good. Um, and then I have a good friend who's following us at Emily Kitchen's play, Monstrous, who's following us at the uh, New Ohio Theater. And uh, you know. I'm going to enjoy seeing that as well. So I think it's, um, uh, you know, I, that's kind of, I, I didn't really go to a lot over the summer because I was working on the production. So I can't really say anything <laughs> this summer. Um, and, uh, but there's just so many plays out there. And I believe that people should go. They should, that should, to me, that's better than watching TV. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, if there's one thing that the pandemic has gifted the audience right now is it's an embarrassment of riches in stories and productions being done. You know, my, my calendar is literally, as I'm putting it together, I'm like, well, I was only planning to do four shows a week, but this show just popped up and this show just popped up and this show just popped up. And I'm like, how do I say no to that? That story just looks so good, you know? And so the pandemic is just allotted a lot of writers the almost like the downtime they needed to perfect some of these works and that's the thing i've noticed is a lot of off and off off broadway theater is not looking lately like workshop theater it's looking a lot more polished and put together and i'm like oh my gosh no please someone pick this up and produce it more this is just really ooh, an yeah. important and a good and i love that it's a good deep story yeah. You know, that's something you don't get from movies and TV sometimes, you know, it's. Um, and it's, it's community. I think it's the way yep. we build community and the way we build dialogues, you know, watching TV is a very isolated, uh, you know, experience and, and very important in those isolated, you know, we need isolation. Sometimes we need our solitude, but bringing us into community, that visceral response of human to human sharing of moments, yeah. I think is what makes our society strong and, um, and, and empathetic and compassionate. Um, and that's how we build it by being together in the room, not isolated from each other. So yes, absolutely. Theater rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Oh, I love opening night. <laughs> yes. It is the most 
I mean, that, you know, like, I get very idealistic in the beginnings of productions and I think, oh no, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And then we get into rehearsal and there's this, there's that, there's all these problems and everything is about problem solving. But for some, but I'm, I'm alive in that process. Like I'm, I'm doing things and I, and I very much appreciate that, but it can be very stressful. But opening night is the thing that we work towards and that valve of opening it up and making it public is probably that is the that is the moment that we all work towards and uh, hopefully gratifying because I hope I want everybody to like what we're doing and I want them to like the play. Um, but I just love being in the room where it happens. I know that's <laughs> quite a stupid, you know, Hamilton, but that is it. And I want to see it at the table. And, and I want to be at that table. So of creating new work. Um, so that's, that's the joy for me. And then hearing the multitude of voices, the yes. different voices. Um, sometimes they're hard. Those are hard conversations, but in the end, I'm always a better artist for it. Always, hands down, even when it's difficult. I love that. Somewhere that needs to be like inscribed and continue to be passed on to young artists, you know, just it's the path you got to go through trust me you get better on the other side <laughs> yes you do yes you do um, um i want to ask you my favorite question i love asking uh my my guest which is what's your favorite theater memory my favorite theater memory watching my daughter perform <laughs> yes <laughs> okay <laughs> she was in seventh grade and she did Grease. Yes. She's not a singer, but she did Grease and she looked absolutely gorgeous in her long hair and she wore this little outfit. And the boy next to her got stage fright. And I'm going to cry. And my daughter improvised and encouraged him oh. for his next line. And to me, the generosity in that moment, the childlike, you know, the child just immediately saw the worth in the person next to him and just made him feel comfortable. But it also showed me that talent is not, there's a creative in, talent in artists that sometimes you can't really learn. Mm -hmm. It's just there. And that was a moment that made me realize um, how do we bring that out? You know, I just, and so I believed her to be a great actress and, um, and I still do believe I love that. Oh my gosh. What a great story. Oh, you must've been one proud mom that night too. Uh, I was. And then one of the mothers like hit me. She goes, she's great. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like as if I had something to do with it, but I had nothing to do with it. She is her own woman and she is her own creative intelligence. I hear that's one of the perks of being a parent. You can be like, yeah, no, I did that. Absolutely. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> but yeah, that is probably my greatest. And then watching her do um, The Bad and the Better with the Immoralist, I just, that was another great moment. And, you know, so whenever I watch my daughter act, that is the greatest moment in theater for me. I love that. Oh, that's amazing. What a lucky daughter to have such a supportive mom. That's amazing. 
Um, do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we maybe can talk about real quick? Um, well, Eden Theatre Company um, is about working on new plays. So we're starting, um, we do a play lab and this will culminate in workshops, um, hopefully next f fall in, we're not sure where or what venues yet. Um, so we'll be working on those plays all year long and then we'll do that. And then the next year we're planning on another production. So um, that's that's where we're at. Um, we're sort of moving and transitioning slowly in the changing landscape of the off-off Broadway theater uh, community, what theaters will be standing next year and things like that because uh, several places have closed. And so I think a lot of, um, theaters are still in transition and what's available to uh, artists. Um, but we're trying to build that muscle. And then I'm writing a couple of new plays. So yay! if all goes well, those will be our next production in 2024 and like that. So. That's amazing. <laughs> and then finally, um, if our listeners want to get more information uh, about complicity, uh, or they want to get more information about you or get a hold of you, is is there a way to do that? Yeah. Um, you can um, uh, go to edentheater.org. I'm, you know, the artistic director of Eden Theater Company um, with Byron Anthony. And um, so you can always reach us through our uh, contact there on our website, which is edentheater.org. Um, if you please come to our show, you can go to the New Ohio website, um, which is on 154 Christopher Street. Um, uh, well, the website's not on 154 Christopher <laughs> Street, but you can go to the New Ohio Theater website if you just Google that, and uh, and you can get tickets through their website, or you can go to edentheater.org and you can get tickets on several pages on our website. Um, and uh, and if you can't make it, consider giving us a donation to help us pay actors yes. and the theater and all that good stuff. Um, but that's how we get. And you can always reach me. I'm at the other end of every email. <laughs> and is that Eden Theater with an E-R? Uh, yes, it's E-D-E-N-T-H-E-A-T-E-R. I know, I chose the American version. Um, <laughs> And because it's American theater. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's fun that I have to ask that now. A lot of people are always like, is that really a big deal? And I'm like, you have no idea. Like what just flip-flopping two letters and you're on the wrong path. You never know where you're going to go. So, yeah. Well, yeah. my guest today has been Diana Davis. Um, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such an honor. Thank you. Um, speaking with you and learning about this. Her new work, Complicity, is playing at the New Ohio Theater from September 30th to October 15th. Do not miss this show. This is one of the best shows you're going to see this fall. I'm already predicting that. Uh, you can get your tickets at the New Ohio Theater website. Uh, you can also purchase them at edentheater.org, and that's theater with an E-R. You can uh, also contact Diane there, and feel free to make a donation to that theater company. Give them a helping hand, 
and uh, hopefully there'll be more uh, plays coming from Diane that way as well. Um, so get excited about this production. Diane, again, thank you so much for joining us here on Whisper and the Wings from Sage Whisper. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much. And uh, keep it rolling, man. Rock and roll. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs> <laughs>